Welcome to Anyone. This is Tay Tay, and I appreciate y'all. Today, we get to chat with Carrington Harrison, uh, a.k.a. CDOT, host of uh, The Drive on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City from about 2 to 6 weekdays Central Time. One of my favorite radio stations uh, ever, like a a hallowed ground. I'm talking, we, we got people, Josh Vernier, Nick Wright, Danny Parkins, a lot of really dope talent that's come through that radio station. And uh, uh, Carrington, I consider to be the voice of Kansas City Sports, actually. And he's, he's, he's narrated some of the greatest sports years, seasons, probably decade that I will ever live through when we're talking about the Royals and the Chiefs and what's, what's been happening here recently. Something that we won't really realize until after the fact, probably. But um, uh, we connected through a documentary project that a friend of ours, Jamel Thompson, connected us on um, called uh, Paseo to Pembroke, a documentary about Kansas City, about the place that raised us, made us, some of the institutions that raised us and made us high schools and high school basketball. And uh, um, I'm so happy that I was able to take part, that he was persistent about it, uh, about getting me on board. And I think we really did something special. I feel good about that project. And it's going to be something that I'm going to be proud of for a long time. And and people really enjoyed it. And I feel like we really did something special for some people. Um, and it's streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, Zumo, X-U-M-O, Tubi, T-U-B-I, and Vimeo. Those are some platforms that are streaming on. But Amazon Prime is probably the easiest place to find it. And it's called Paseo to Pembroke. Kansas City's golden era or age, depending on where uh, I put those titles, where. (laughs) So uh, I'll put the link in the description to the episode to kind of find it a little bit easier, but definitely check it out. Show some love. He's uh, he's just getting started in the documentary space and he's going to be really good at it, especially, I mean, regardless if he stays in the sports domain, but um, uh, that's that's about uh, it from me. Uh, we get into his career, how he thinks about culture, sports, his role in the, in the industry and in his domain and, uh, and a lot more. Um, and I'm super, you know, just, I'm happy as hell that he was able to fit me in and kind of add more hours of talking <laughs> onto his schedule. If you just listen to 610, you have no idea what this dude's schedule is like. He stays busy. He's one of the hardest working dudes that I know. So uh really appreciate him. And uh yeah, with that, here is my chat with C dot Carrington Harrison. We got a uh, C dot aka Carrington Harrison. Uh, on the show. I appreciate you giving your time. I know you're a busy, busy cat. Uh, you kind of tricked me, honestly. Um, so this is what happened. You was like, oh, because I'm, I'm like thinking about doing another documentary. It's like, oh, I want to talk to you about it. This is, and I was like, okay, sure. Is, yeah, what time? And then when it was time for us to sit down, you were like, oh, we're going to record that thing. That's not what you, you didn't sell I'm, me on I'm, that. I'm going to be honest. I respect that you, you want to do this 
on the live mic. You actually want to call me out on the live mic. That's I, what I kind of respect. I respect it was, that. It's, it was, it's like, I'd rather it be like this. I'd rather it be privately nice and publicly an asshole than publicly nice and privately an asshole. Like, this is actually more honorable, I would say. But we're on the same page now, regardless. Uh, uh, and, you know, at some point, I, I kind of want to get into the whole documentary pivot that you're doing, which is super interesting. And I think as like a long, long future. But I did mention that you were busy. So like, what the, like, what's, what's a normal week for you now? Because like, we, we just get 610 if we're not really t- like tapped into all the sports talk. So like, what the fuck are you up to? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's really that busy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I guess like a, a normal day. Wake up at 8.30. I listen to podcasts. I read a lot. I go to work at like 11. And, and when you say you read a lot, like I, for some reason, I get the sense that like anybody who's in sports broadcasting, journalism or anything like that, Peter King, like one of the first things you open up or something like that. Like, is there like a go-to, like this is just the thing that like, this is my go-to to figure out what the hell's going on? No. I mean, I, I read Peter King too, don't get me wrong, but I probably read Arrowhead Pride more just because it's, it also compiles. So, you know, they have like the Arrow headlines. Yeah. So it'll be 10 headlines about the Chiefs and I might get four ideas from those headlines, you know what I mean? Okay. So it's that, I mean, you know, it's, it's a combination of like work and, um, you know, like personal reading. Um, I get there at 11, kind of talk about the show, get a general direction for the show. Do that up until about two o'clock. On the day of. So like, that's when, are you, you're just building materials from when the show ends, six o'clock to, to that morning, to that next day, you're starting to maybe put some stuff together for what that show is going to be at two. Yeah, I mean, I probably have in my head. So actually, I'm sorry. Let me set the table here. I'm so deep into Kansas City and Kansas City sports and all that stuff that we have not explained what the hell is going on here. Tell everybody what your job is, what, what people in Kansas City know you for. Let's, let's start over. You do. Start no, 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 we can start. No, no, no. We're going to continue this. We're going to continue going. We can, no, 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 no. I'm trying to help you. I we got you. Can, no, no, we can, we can start cleaner. They, 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 they know I'm a clown. Right, um, what is it that you do? And yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so no, I, uh, I host a sports talk radio show. It's called The Drive. It's on 610 Sports Radio. It's from 2 to 6 p.m. I'm going to be honest. If you're not a man 25 to 54, it doesn't really matter to me that much if you listen or not. Like. It's cool if you do, but I'm not super concerned with it. You know, you know the specific demographics, yeah, yeah, like political that, views, yeah, probably. Not, like you not. got no. I mean, that's just that's you know I I get paid based off that. So I mean, if you're if you're 19, yo, I appreciate you listening, but you know, don't I don't really care that much one way or the other. You know the market segmentation. Uh, so yeah, no, that's uh that's what I do. Um, and and on the day because it because sports talk has like I don't what would you call it like like. Cling and Fesco is a morning thing. What would you mm-hmm. call it? Like segment? A morning Yeah, it's morning show, drive. Yeah. Morning show or whatever. But like, that's like one thing. What what you have is like considered like prime real estate as far as like time of the day. Probably, yeah, I, mean, right? I think the morning's the same. Um, I mean, it's different. Just, you know, people's listening habits in the morning is different than in the evening. But it's better I mean, than lunch and it's better than after the six o'clock, right? It's like, yeah, it's no, I mean, choice. you either want to be in the morning or afternoons. Um, I mean, those are kind of the two things, you know, people driving to work, people leaving work. So if you start out in this whole thing, like, that's the thing you got your eye on. Like, I want to get there. Uh, interesting. I actually didn't really want afternoons. Um, okay. So this was a long ago time now at this point. Um, so when I started with Danny Parkins, he does afternoons in Chicago now at 670 to score. Probably one of the five biggest sports stations in the country. But um, nice. so we were doing middays and it was kind of obvious that afternoons was going to open up. I actually didn't really want to do it. Um, huh. I just felt like 
trying to think of the right way to put it. Um, I just felt like it was like a sense of completion. I was so young at that point. I was like 24 that I didn't want to be like 26 and fired. Oh, wow. And, uh, that is not how I thought you were going to finish that series. Yeah, that's, you know, that was like a big thing. And um, so, so like, oh, so you feel like, you feel like if it didn't meet whatever the standard was for that segment or that time, that time segment or something like that, that could have been like an early end to your career or, yeah, or just, just had higher to move. demands or yeah, something. Um, Interesting. You know, so that, you know, that was, I mean, that was like a big, you know, a big thing to get over. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. To think about that. I don't really think about that as much anymore, but. Yeah, because I got some specific questions on like, because I've heard you say some things that are super interesting. I feel like when you're in a domain or like in some sort of medium, there are things that you know that are like just like that you take for granted. But like as soon as somebody who's from the outside hears it, it's like, this is super fascinating. Like, how do you even fill up fucking four hours of fucking content for five days? But like, I've heard you say that you like, you just got to think in 15 minute increments or something like that at one point. So like, I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's how I do it. Um so yeah, I try to think in five minute increments. Um, oh, even smaller. Yeah, I think that you can talk about anything for five minutes. Um, so I try to think about it in that and thinking about it. And then, you know, I mean, it's like anything, like a muscle, you train it, you know, like I do it every day. So I normally, if something happens, I can tell you if it's a five minute thing. I can tell you if it's a 10 minute thing. No I can tell you if it's a 15 minute thing. I can tell you if we're going to talk about it all day. You know what I mean? Um, That's interesting. I just think you just, you know, you learn over time. Um, you know, everybody kind of picks that up at whatever job that they have. Huh. So, so okay. And I'm going to circle back to something you said earlier about like maybe reluctantly going into <clears throat> like the drive time. I don't know what the fuck we're calling it. But uh, I get that, like, I think I remember because I'm deep in the 610. Like I've been listening to 610 for a minute now. But I think I remember like, were, were you reluctant about even getting into it with Danny Parkinson in the first place? No, was I wasn't. that like something that I wasn't were, like, like uh, that transition was kind of like tough for you into like kind of yeah, like maybe leaving what was before into what was coming into next or something? Or, or am I making that up? <clears throat> no, I mean, I don't think that's um, that far off. I mean, I think some of it was just Nick Wright and I are, are really, I mean, we were really close. We are. Um, I didn't, you know, things just change, you know, time, people move. Um, that like I, you know, I felt really comfortable. Yeah. Um, so like leaving a situation that I felt really comfortable with to go to a situation that was unknown. Yeah. Um, but one thing I've learned. Over time, one of my mentors told me this, that the most constant thing in our lives is change. And that's something that I really tried to kind of hold on to as I've gotten older, that very few things stay how they are. And to me, a sign of maturity is like your ability to adapt to change and not panic because of it. So that's something that, you know, I just wasn't really equipped at that point in my life, but I've just kind of picked up over time. So, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't have any issues with Danny. I didn't really know Danny, but I mean, I, I dropped out of school to be on Nick's show, you know, mm-hmm. like I was I was in college. I had like 20 hours left I and mean, I dropped out of school to do it. So that was, you know, I felt like we had like a, a family, you know, yeah. um, that the four of us were just really, really close. Um, I interned there for two summers. Was Spectre part of that? No, not till way later. He didn't Who, get there. There were some names that I remember that. So like, on Nick, that right, I just don't remember. It was anymore. me, Nick. Uh, Carm and Jared. Carmen, so Mark, uh, Mark right. Carmen and Jared Carter. So uh, it was us four. Yeah, those are the. Days. So I mean, we just we were all really close. Um, for shit, but it like, was fun. Like I went out with them on my twenty first birthday. Um, the last Chiefs training camp, we all went up there. So we just we were all really close. So I, I think that was it more than anything yeah. is you know not wanting to leave, um, you know that. But I tell people this all the time. And I, I love Nick to death. I don't think I learned how to do radio from Nick. Nick's a lot like, I think I've developed this. Maybe, you know, you kind of like learn what you see. 
Nick can do the show in his head. And so, like, you know, part of learning is you asking questions and the person, like, kind of walking you through things and talking you through it. When you say asking questions, who are you asking questions? Like the person Nick, too. Like, Nick Wright. Yeah, like, I'll ask Nick Wright a question, like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or, you know what I mean? Like, what how was, do you do what this? What was your, because there's some, there's a lot we don't know. What was your role at that time? Like, we call it behind, like, I, heard, I think it's, like, behind the glass. But you're, do you have a mic? Do you kind of tap in every once in a while and add, like, No, I didn't really talk a whole lot. Okay. So... I would I would say I was a associate producer is probably the best way of putting it. So Carmen was the head producer. Yeah. And they kind of created a role for me, honestly. Um, like there's nobody at the station that's doing what I used to do. Like I don't know if I would have fit, at least not the way that I was then. Um mm. so I would answer the phones and I would look stuff up a lot. And I realized I had a gift of like getting people to come on the show. Nice. So I think this got me the job. This is kind of my big break story, I guess. So this was in conference realignment. So 2010. And I just really made it a point to try to, because I really was passionate about it. Missouri, I'm a big Missouri fan. They were in the big 12. They're thinking about leaving. So I was, you know, I like personally invested in it. So I just try to make it a point where if something was happening, I would try to make sure that that person would go on with Nick and pass the story. Like, oh, this story from the Omaha World Herald is saying this. The guy's coming on in 10 minutes. So I just really tried to make that a point. And now that, you know, I'm in that position, you know, the value of having somebody like that in the summer when things are kind of slow, you know, is really valuable. Yeah. And for whatever reason, so this was the year Indomitian and Sue had gotten drafted. Mm. And, you know, Indomitian and Sue, great at Nebraska, top, I think it was the second overall pick to the Lions. So he had just started like a website. So I went on the website and I filled out the contact us form for like an interview request. His sister runs the website. She emails me and wants more information. I send her the information. She called on the phone. I talked to this woman for about 15 to 20 minutes. That's a long call. Yeah. On on air or like no, I'll just like behind, a, yeah, like just behind not, the scenes. I mean, I mean, while while live while the shows. No, I just talked to her. Just me or her. Just okay. Um, and she was like, "I like you. I'm gonna make this happen for you." And and Dominican soon called the next day. And then uh, and this is relevant because like you probably asked him about conference realignment. Yeah, like, yeah, and it was and a, the draft. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a really big stuff. deal. Like you know, he just got drafted. He's yeah. a really prominent player in Nebraska. Oh, draft, so like, yeah, yeah, so Nebraska yeah. had just left the Big 12 to go to the Big 10. So yeah. it was like a really big deal to get yeah. a Dominican suit. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're like national, like, you know, this the most. That's the intersection of a lot of things. Like, okay, so Nebraska actually did. One, yeah. One of the teams that, so yeah, that's, 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 that's a, a big, big 10. That's a huge pull. Um, and then the next day I got offered a job. No shit. Yeah. And so like, okay, that's like that because you answered the question I was about to ask. Like what, what made you feel like that you had to make the choice between school and work. Why couldn't you do the rest of the, like, that's, that's. I just didn't really feel like I was getting a whole lot out of school. I mean, I wish if I could go back in time, I would have just tried to finish as fast as I could. But I think once I got a taste, so I, I interned my junior year, my senior year, and then I dropped out midway through my senior year. Mm -hmm. Um, That I just, I think, I think once I got a taste of what I really wanted to do, it was just hard to go back to school and do things that I didn't feel were putting me on that path. Um, and I actually was going to drop out sooner. Like I was going to drop out in the middle of uh-huh. my last year. And Nick convinced me to stay in school. That's good. And then, That's uh, good. And then I finished that semester and then I packed my stuff and I never went back. Yeah. It, was, it was cool though. So this is like a side note. Um, I always felt, you know, it's like I felt like my career was growing, that my mom 
I felt like it was always like an asterisk by things because I dropped out. She would always bring it up. Yeah. But I had to get to the point that like I wanted to finish for myself. Like, you can't like finish college because someone else wants you to. Like you had to finish it for yourself. I mean, you can. People do it all the time, but it's not. A, it, it's hard to get into the like the transitions between semesters suck like there there were a couple times where i was like on the fence of like i'm i'm out on this like what am i doing here it's for some reason i just kept going through it but i know what you mean about like maybe not having like the whatever you fucking call it the inner locus versus the outer like the motivation coming from outside but go ahead yeah Yeah, no it was just it was it's i i just can't operate that way like i can't do i can't commit to something like that if i don't have the passion for it and i eventually just found it where i was kind of ready to finish and at that point, I was really big on like checking off like external boxes. Like people say like, oh, you can't do, you know, whatever. Or you didn't do this. That I just always felt like people brought that up that I dropped out of school and I just got tired of people saying it. So I was just like, I, I'm just going to go back. And Missouri Southern was actually really, really helpful um, in trying to like let me finish. Um, so I like, created like a course for me and stuff. And No shit. They, they, no, they were, they were super helpful. Like I, I don't have nothing but positive things to say about my distance learning experience. No shit. So I had they got, to take, they created the Carrington Harrison curriculums. That's it wasn't crazy. that bad. So basically what they did was instead of like a traditional internship, because I did an internship, but I just never paid for the credits. They just created like a workshop program that was in place of me. And they was like, I had to prove that I learned one different thing at my job and get like a supervisor to sign off on it. So basically like pay them the money. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So they gave me all, they gave me, I think they gave me up to 12 hours for that. What? Wait yeah. a second. I can't, well, I guess I can, don't really yeah, remember how credits work, but that seems obscene. And then I had nine more after that. I had 21 total. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I had nine more. So I had three courses I had to do. Um, yeah, it was. But that's dope. So you did finish. When did I did you, finish. When did, yeah. you, when did you, I guess, get your degree, graduate, whatever you want to call yeah, it? Yeah, maybe like four years ago, five years ago now at this point. I don't even know where my diploma is, but I think my mom has it. But that's good, and she she enjoyed it probably, and that felt good. Yeah, I think she was really happy that I when I told her I was going back. Good. Um, yeah, no, she was really happy about it. She didn't really care if I went to the graduation or not. So, but yeah, just to say I finished, uh-huh. I'm happy with it. I mean, I don't think it. It was kind of crazy. Like I don't think it really helped me in life, but I mean, some things we do don't help us, and it's just for more like personal gratitude, you know satisfaction and gratification that I got that for finishing. So mm-hmm. it was worth the, yeah, it was worth the money that I spent to say that I'd finished. Yeah. And they, I'm sure they definitely enjoy having you as an alumni for sure. Like they actually, they got they, super they, friendly once I finished school. I'm, I'm once saying, I finished, they've been, uh, they've been, uh, they've been super friendly for since sure. I decided to I, graduate from that school. I think I saw a profile of you on the, on the website and everything like that. So like, uh, I got honored at a basketball game. That's dope. That's um, dope. That's dope. Yeah, for no. sure. And your opinion of the of your time at the school before any of that, like it's because I feel like we we like I, I'm kind of tired of the whole shitting on the school that you went to type thing. I kind of enjoyed my time at the school that I went to. I love college. Okay, I love I love okay. Joplin. I love maybe that's more high school there. than college. Um, I mean, I think you know, there's like different points in our lives where you're like, oh, I became an adult, you know. But um, I mean, I I know everybody talks about. I mean, I, them what college is, what it costs versus what you get out of it. Um, I certainly get the arguments, but I mean, I wouldn't change 
where I went to school, um, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change really much about it. She um, wouldn't absolutely be a tiger staff. <laughs> no, just, I knew I, I didn't have. And that's, that's a thing. I didn't have the personality or discipline. You want to? I was gonna say because like you want to talk about broadcasting or communications or anything journalism related. Like it's right there, and you're like an avid, avid uh, Columbia guy. So like that's actually really interesting. Was it just? Did it just cost too much? What was the thinking about not going to? Missouri. Um, that had to, was that an option? Was that something? Yeah, that no, I mean, I really considered going, I would say four schools, um, Northwest, UMKC, Mizzou, and where I went to school, Missouri Southern. My mom really wanted me to go to Northwest. She really, really liked it. Bearcat. Um, My pops went to I, If you had asked me when I was probably a sophomore, junior in high school, I probably would have told you that I was going to go to UMKC. I don't know, probably midway through my senior year. I just was, I was just, I felt ready to leave at that point. Um, you know, I felt like I was ready to go away, but not away. Exactly. You know? um, exactly. I felt like I was ready to go away where I could always drive home, but I knew I couldn't live at home or close to everything anymore. Um, like I wasn't, like I just, I just felt like I was ready for that. But that's still Columbia though. So like, why not, why not Columbia? Yeah. I mean, I, I went to a really small high school. So I went to a private school. So I graduated with 24 people. What? Uh, yeah, graduated from Blue Ridge Christian, class of 06. The fuck? Uh, so, yeah, no, I graduated with. So, I, I think the size Jesus. of it intimidated me. Rhodes Scholar? Um, like, the size of it intimidated me, how many people were there, how uh, big it was. And when I went to Joplin, I took a visit. It just felt, it felt like a, it felt like a really big version of what I was already doing. Uh, like, I went to the class, like, the class sizes weren't that much different. Yeah. Um, so, it just, it felt... It just felt really comfortable. Okay. Um, I th- you know, sometimes you feel like that. Like, it's funny. We're recording this in my apartment. Yeah. But I was, when I was, like, ready to move out, I probably went to go visit, like, seven or eight different apartments. Mm. And I remember I walked in here. Yeah. And I saw it. Yeah. And I just knew. Okay. Like, I didn't need to take any more visits. Okay. I need to go see anything else. Okay. I had, like, three more scheduled. I remember I called my mom and I was like, I found it. Like, I feel comfortable here. Okay. It's in the, you know what I mean? Like nice. I, I felt really comfortable. Good. So I think that's kind of what it was when I took the visit. Yeah. That I felt really comfortable. What do you think the student body size or of, of Mizzou is? I don't know what it is. I don't know. Like, um, and a class size is huge. I've been sure there's huge lecture halls. So you're coming from 24 kids that you graduated with. Jesus. Christ. Yeah, no, my I, class size of Park was like 400, <laughs> 600. Like, Jesus. I can't even, like, my mind doesn't even compute. But, uh. Okay, because I never that never crossed my mind, but that's really interesting, man. Because that's like the that's like the one of the big broadcast schools in the country, let yeah. alone like in, in our backyard. I mean, I got I got nothing but love for Mizzou. Um, I know that. I, you know, I don't have nothing. I have nothing but love. I enjoy going there. Um, but yeah, no, I just I don't. I wouldn't go back and go to a different school. I would go back to the school I went to and try harder. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't change where I went to school. Yeah. Okay. And um, high school either. Like, I wouldn't change that part of it. Um, You know, I mean, I went to a small Christian school, but I wouldn't change. I felt. I felt really prepared when I went to college. I felt I didn't feel like the education that I got was different in any way. I actually heard. I remember you saying that you felt like there was a discrepancy between you and your peers on like, like. I feel I feel more prepared than a lot of people that I'm seeing right now for this part of my life. Is that yeah? I mean, that up or yeah, I felt like I mean, I just I mean, yeah, I mean, I felt like that, but like I didn't feel, I didn't feel like when I went there and you're like intimidated by college and think, yeah, I told you that's so much different than what you're used to. Then I'm like, this isn't that much different. Like this isn't. I mean, everybody's school's different. I can't speak for anybody else who went to school, but when I went there, I didn't think it was. 
I didn't think it was very difficult. I didn't think it was hard. Okay. I didn't think it was challenging in that way. Maybe academically, but like I think the biggest thing about um, about that transition is just that like all of a sudden it's on you. Like you got to go to the office and turn in that piece of paper. You got to go in and pay that bill. You got to go up, like wake up at this time. It's not necessarily like what's in the books, but like the time management part, like Jesus, like that's that's the jarring thing. And it was tough for me. I started school late. If I had started at 18, like it'd have been a joke. It'd have been a shit so. <laughs> But, um, but that, that's the part, though, when I say, like, how important to back to the main point, how we kind of got us here is sure. Like, is college worth it? I think it's really difficult to answer. Like, for me, the social skills that I think I acquired in college have been invaluable. Um, the life experience, the stories. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't have the job that I got if I, you know, so. I, you know, I basically had access to a studio for free for like two years. So like, you know, at that, you know, kind of be like if you were making beats and you got to work at this music recording studio, you just could just make your own beats with their equipment. Like you could make some pretty decent beats over time. You know what I mean? Um, that like I so that ability and I used to. um So I don't know if people know this or not. They probably do. Some of the stuff you hear on radio was recorded. Someone has done it earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. So you could like voice track. So you know how when you're listening to music and it'll be like, you're listening to 103.3 coming up in 20 minutes. We've got Dre, blah, blah, blah. Be giving away so-and-so tickets or whatever. So I could like see the whole schedule and I could like practice. So I would like go in there and I would like act like I had my own show. And I would like see the songs and I would do it. And I used to practice like every single day I was doing it. So I actually got kind of good at it. Like I can, I can really do it if I like really want to do it. Who who are your, who are your idols? Like what, what, what made you like really like, cause doing it all day is like a thing where you've got like something in your head probably that you're trying to chase or something like. Like sports talk wise or just radio in general? You tell me. Cause those are, yeah. Like sports talk radio wise. You should say Tom Joyner. I'm going to. No, (laughs) I didn't have any music people like that. Um, You got to think that wasn't really way like 103. They didn't really show personality. So like Tony G, legend, came to see, but like he didn't have a show. Okay. That's you know what, what I mean? Yeah. So like, no, I didn't have any I'm like curious. that. Um, I liked Stephen St. John a lot when I was a kid. Uh-huh. He was just a really funny Missouri person. So I just always liked him. Um, Jason Whitlock back in the day before he turned MAGA. And and with, okay, so like that name just popped in my head before he said anything, but for some reason I thought he was print only. But he had a show. He had like a radio show. Yeah, he had a radio show too. Uh, I did not. Know um, I got to meet him one time. Never meet your heroes or idols. Oh, is it bad? Uh, yeah, no. So I'll tell this story real quick. Uh, uh, I'll tell well, this story. Yeah, like, I mean, it's bad for you, but like I'm. I'm I mean, I'm it's good cool now. Like it's, bad, bad media. For, no, it's for whatever. Uh, so I met. So, so we have a mutual friend, a good mutual friend, and Whitlock was coming into town. And he was like, I'll get Whitlock to come in studio and sit down. And I was like, cool, this is a really big deal. Like, Whitlock's going to sit down for an hour and answer questions and stuff. Um, so he agreed to do it. Whitlock was going to do it. He was going to come in. It was going to be a big deal. Uh, he texted me back a week before, like, he's got these requirements. So he asked for, he had a food order, a specific food order from Gates. I don't remember what it was. So this wasn't like on the budget. I had to pay for this myself. Oh my God. So I went and got his food. I'm really excited to meet him. Like, you know, this is, I, if I, honestly, if you would ask 16 year old me, who is your favorite media person, I would have told you Jason, Jason Whitlock. Whitlock. I'd have told you Jason Whitlock. I'm serious. I'd have told you Jason Whitlock. <laughs> I'd have told you Jason Whitlock. So 
I have the food kind of put out for him. Like I kind of put some thought into this, you know? So I get the food for him. He gets there. He's eating. I'm kind of excited to like meet him. I know you eating, but you know, I kind of excited. I was like, Hey man, I got you the food. I'm excited that you're here. He was like, all right, man, I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> That's 100% what happened. That's 100%. Wow. He took a picture with me, though. I still got it, but. God, and, but, like, during that, during the thing, like, you know, it was his energy. Nah, he was cool. He was cool. Good, I mean, you, you know, he's, I mean, he's kind of surly in that way. Yeah. He was. I don't know how he's, I've only talked to him one time, but. Yeah, but he, um, he's, like, just not cognizant of what, like, who he's talking to. Like, you That's understand, what he was. like. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, I told him, and I told him on the air how big of a fan I was and how he's one of my inspirations and stuff. And Oof, that's on, that's somewhere. That's, on, that's really on a tape. That's on like some sort of like yeah. analog tape I, mean, I don't somewhere. feel bad about that. Like, <laughs> I don't feel bad about that, man. I don't feel bad that I used to look at the, I, Whitlock, at one point you could argue that Jason Whitlock was the best sports writer in the world. Like wow. you can, at one point you could argue that. Interesting. He certainly was in the short list. For like maybe you might was, argue like Mitch, star. Yeah, like you might argue like Mitch Album or okay. Wright Thompson. I mean, they're, you know, like, like anything, it's a debate. Like, okay. I mean, you might argue over who the best rapper is, but there's yeah. there's only a handful of people that are even in consideration of being who the best rappers are. But he's he had a national profile when he was on the star. He was on Oprah when he was on the star. I did not know. He that. like physically went on the Oprah Winfrey show. Oh shit! Imagine that you are a local sports writer. He yeah. went on to Oprah. Yeah, he was writing about high school basketball when we were doing the doc. Like, yeah, he was writing about the nineties. Yeah. So like that's like a and know, then so he did that, and then he got picked up by ESPN. He would write for them. He would do the sports uh, reporters. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean Whitlock was a really big deal. Um, so so he he was just, I mean, we don't have to get deep into it, but I'm just kind of curious. Like he was it's just short podcast. Like, I'm just talking about everything. He was just, I know, yeah, but he was he just like was just completely focused on sports, and at some point he just started. He was like apolitical, and then all of a sudden, no, he, just started he was getting, always kind of doing race. I mean, I, but you, in like an account in like in that kind of way, like in that kind of. I mean, like, if you want my theory on what happened, you can read this. So, you know, the undefeated, the ESPN website. Yeah, Whitlock was supposed to run the undefeated. And then there was this big thing in Deadspin that somebody got their company emails and Willock was wilding. Oh, just a weirdo. Wow. So this is public. Like, like Yeah, you can read it. Yeah, you can go no find shit. it. Deadspin wrote this article. Uh, so he got fired from that. And I think he was kind of a man without a country. And oh, so if you're a man without a country oh. and there's an easy bag to go pick up. That's the thing about it. Oh, so you think it's a shtick? Oh, yes. So I like, definitely do. it's not like okay. So it's not like bitter. Like you know, look, look what they look what the culture did to me or some shit like that. Like the whatever the progressive left or something like that did to me. Like it's 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 more just like this is what I got to do to kind of get. Back I mean, I think that's what I think. I can't speak for anybody else. Um, that's what I think. I don't know how political you get on here, but you have me on here. So oh, I absolutely say. want to get political, but there's <laughs> an opportunity called like for me. Nobody gives a fuck about me, but like you, know, you got to go back to your day job. Yeah, no, I don't, um, I just think. I think we reached, I think we reached this point. There's a voice that represents everybody. Like, I think sometimes that side of the political aisle makes it seem like their voice is being suppressed. Uh-huh. And we say that side of the political aisle, we're talking about the conservatives, the right. Yeah, the right. Yeah. That there's plenty of people that obviously align with how you feel. Like, you're not in the minority. Like, I think sometimes they've tried to make it seem like their views are now the minority opinion. Uh-huh. And it's not the minority opinion. There's a lot of people that feel that way. I think I think the I think one of the best ways to kind of catch on in the media environment we have right now is the is victim mentality. 
So like, I think it's just like everybody's like, I do it like in, in my own like narrative inside my head, it's just the victim mentality. So like, you know, mainstream media, when you look at the numbers, I think nobody watches more TV than Fox News. I think Fox News numbers number one, beats everybody. So you want to talk about mainstream? What the fuck is the word mainstream? Mean? <laughs> yeah, fuck no. out of here. Like, yeah, so like, no. so like, but the victim mentality is like the part of the whole thing. So like, it's, it's, but, but you know, it's, we kind of roll our eyes when we're maybe on the, I don't know about your political alignment, but I'm on the opposite side. So I roll my eyes when I hear it on the other side, but that victim thing is everywhere though. Yeah, I mean, I think I hate the mainstream part. So like Clay Travis, for example, like he talks about the mainstream media and I'm like, bro, you took over for Rush Limbaugh. It doesn't get any more mainstream than that. You know what I mean? Like, I just think now we've created these like certain pockets where you can be like anti-media, but in the media. I don't know, man. Like maybe this is like me just, you know, patting myself on the back. I don't really think about that stuff, man. Like I try to really think about it through this one lens. In the end, really only two people have to be happy with the show. Me and my boss, right? This is the only two that have to really be happy with it. Like, you can listen and be like, yo, the show is terrible today. All right, like, I can't, you know, it's subjective. You know what I mean? Like, there's some songs you like, there's some songs I don't like, there's some movies, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. just, like, there's nothing universal. Like, it's a... It's an art in that, you know, in that way. Like, we all consume it differently. But, I, but when I watch the... When I listen to the show... Maybe this isn't how it feels like on the inside, but I I get the sense that you make a conscious decision to kind of like not be as polarizing as possible because like there's probably like a big gap between your audience and you. And it's just like, how about we just not do that? Mm. Like, but you definitely, you have your moments where you definitely get into it, but I, that's actually interesting that you actually don't even take in consideration the audience. And it's just like, it's just me and Spectre. If Spectre thinks of shit, then that's all that matters. Yeah, I won't say that I don't think about it like that. I think... I think I think a lot more about it in terms of maybe messaging and how you're framed. Um, yeah. I, any black person in media that talks about race is a race baiter. Like, it doesn't matter what point you make, that's what you are. So I at least tried to, what I really tried to do was get to the point where if I'm going to talk about this, you know that it's going to come from an honest place and you can't say, oh, this is your go-to every single time, Right. Um, like, you know, if we got to talk about Eric B enemy, you can't be like, oh, you bring this up all the time. I don't like, I can give you, you know what I mean? So I think I started to get, maybe this is like a much larger point that has nothing to do with it, but we're just sitting here talking. Yeah. I think right now, one thing that stops progress is especially social media, everything there's degrees, there's a spectrum, right? Like there's a 10 burning across on your yard and then a one, like a very mild degree of racism. That I think now we have let people fight for like twos and threes on the scale of racism. Mm. So if you constantly are fighting twos and threes on this scale, that now when it comes time for you to fight for a six, yeah, you've you've beaten down the opposition that gave you all of these smaller like things that like we can all tolerate, right? Yeah. At least and, that's how I feel. And but the but but you know what? I I I don't know exactly how to communicate this, and I probably have to write it out, but. I don't think everybody has the same goals. I'm not sure if people, if everybody's interested in messaging in a way that like gets allies or tries to like make new friends or at least make less enemies. Some people are legitimately just trying to antagonize people and stuff like that. So like even that, like you're, that's like, you know, saying that to somebody who's not really necessarily interested in the same things that you're interested in. Like, let's talk to the person who's not, we're not preaching to the choir here because that's boring. Let's try to reach somebody who's probably, that's why sports is so great. That's why stories are great. That's why movies are great because you know, we were able to kind of like get past natural identity defenses and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like a good way to kind of do that. But, um, but that's, uh, 
I can kind of understand about maybe how counterproductive it is to kind of make everything seem like it's like breaking news. So like yeah, so, that, so, so that's why. So that's why. It's yeah, not so useful. Like, but. Yeah, so like that's why I really tried to make it a point where like if I'm gonna step up and speak passionately about this kind of stuff, I want it to be about something that I feel very strongly about. Yeah. Um, that I just think now. I think we're really caught up. So, for example, back in 2020, when society was clearly changing, right? Like with George Floyd and the protests and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I felt like companies were doing the most while doing the least. Like, they ain't changing the Aunt Jemima thing. Okay, is Aunt Jemima racist? Probably. Are they hiring more black people at that company? Uh Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Is any black person improved by this? Yeah. So that's why to me, it's like fighting a two or a three yeah. when there's like sixes and sevens in terms of like real things to fight about and really stand up for. Uh-huh. So like, that's why at least I made that kind of, so like when I, back to the main point about um, me and spec, I, I just try to, am I happy with the show at the end of it? I'm the only person that has to live with it, you know? And the incentives aren't really aren't really there for like honestly like you said like you're getting live feedback so you have the text line you're able to see immediately how the audience is going and everything like that so the incentives really aren't there to kind of like be doing that turn the show all of a sudden into like uh i don't even know i can't even think of another yeah, show. i think too. political stuff but the incentives aren't there really for you to do that but that's just the sense that i got from the outside and i guess it is a kind of a conscious decision like if we're going to get into it it needs to be something that i actually care about and it's not going to be the thing that's in the headlines yeah i mean i think too um I'll get, I guess I'll get on this soapbox too. Um, I just, I think it's very easy to, I don't know if you get caught up in the hype or the adrenaline or like social media affirmation. And I think that's what a lot of people do. And I think some of it's like subconscious, you know what I mean? Like the internet is swift. Like if you say some dumb shit, like the internet will come out very swiftly against your four, you know? So, like, when people be like, oh, you got ratioed. So, more people tweeted me? Like, that doesn't matter to me. They're like... Can we explain what that is real quick? Because that's, like, not it. Okay, when somebody says you're ratioed, what the hell does that mean? So, ratioed is like... So, like, let's say you more say... More comments than likes? Yeah, it's like, let's say you say... Patrick Mahomes sucks. He's the worst quarterback in the league, right? Let's say you say that. So, you know how you can or go... Let's, let's say that, you know, I'd be happy if Patrick Mahomes was Matthew Stafford. Let's just say that. Let's just, let's that actually just, wasn't that, actually wasn't that no, bad no, of a take. No, no, that, not, that wasn't that bad of a take. It's a hypothetical. It's not uh, hypothetical. So yeah, so like, have you ever clicked on someone's tweet and they have like 282 quote tweets and like two likes? Yeah, yeah. That's, so that means people are like dunking on your I tweet see, and they're I not see. like engaging it in like a retweets, yeah. comments. Like they are like clearly like dunking on your tweet. And, and that's like a, that's that's a negative feedback and then there's like positive feedback yeah, to like just can, being instantaneous on I, things on Yeah, Twitter. and I think, you know, like, Maybe this is, you know, another like soapbox thing. No, no, no. It's actually really interesting how platforms all shape discussions. Like YouTube shaped video, Spotify shapes music, Twitter will shape conversations. So it's actually really interesting. Yeah, and I guess just I've done this long enough that I see the text line's response to things and Twitter's response is just different. You know what I mean? Like, so like, for example, last year when we did the thing about would you trade T. Higgins for Creed Humphrey straight up. This happened on the show. It was not a big thing on the show. Honestly, it was not a big thing. We talked about it for like four minutes. Text line didn't really respond oh, very well to it, right? Yeah, they didn't bite. It like blew up on Twitter, right? <laughs> you saw it like blew up on Twitter. But I was just, I mean, I, number one, I don't know why you would take Creed Humphrey over T. Higgins. That doesn't really make a lot of Wait. team building sense to me. 
Okay, <laughs> we're not. You just trying to bait me into this right now. We're not gonna get into it. You would. You would. You would. There was a tomorrow. You were starting. All right. So I, I, you mentioned something on Twitter that I thought was like kind of interesting about how. What was the tweet exactly? Somebody asked. You haven't why given me much to go off sports of. Sports <laughs> talk. Why? Yeah, you have a lot to go off. <laughs> why sports talk can't just be about sports? And you mentioned something about how like twenty four hour sports on ESPN and everything changed everything. You can't just be about sports anymore because they've got that covered or something. And I think you said that it has to be more opinion based or maybe it has to be about like the peripheral stuff or something because of. So like, can you can you tell us how much? Because a lot of us can't really remember a world without twenty four hour sports. Well, I'll give you an example. Has, how has that changed everything? That's the specific question. Yeah, how has 24 hours yeah, I'll give you this. You watched the NFL when there were no fans, right? I watched the NFL when there were no fans. Did you watch the NFL when there were no fans in the stands? Was it better or worse? Uh, are you talking about live? Have I been to the stadium? No, I'm saying is when we, when we, we oh, all watched the quarantine. sports. Yeah, absolutely worse. But the product was the same. The product was not the same. I know, but I'm saying is you like all the other stuff. You like the cheerleaders. You like the fans. You like all the other stuff. I'm saying the actual game on the field, it was the uh, same people that have always been doing it. I see what you're saying. So I think... I see what you're saying. I don't think that analogy applies with Go Ahead. But with Go ESPN, ahead. this is the thing. Everybody says they want 24-hour sports, none of the other stuff. You would not watch ESPN if, like... I'm not saying we over-glorify the old ESPN because the old ESPN was amazing. But think about what SportsCenter used to be. SportsCenter, they would run the same episode... For 12 hours, the same, no breaking news. They would record one and they would let it run until noon. Uh There's no way you could do that now. Everything moves so fast. I'm going to ask some dumb questions because it's not like there's like a big age gap between us. But like, you know, I got into sports kind of late. I didn't do it really early, but ESPN was just one channel. And was it still 24 hour sports Mm -hmm. or was it? And it, they would just do sports and just run the same episode all day. So I'm saying like in the morning. So that's why they okay. started coming up with like cold take and all that's like, you uh-huh. know, first pizza or cold pizza first take. They started doing all those shows because in 1997, how else were you going to see sports highlights? The yes. news and yeah. sports center. Yeah. That was it. That's it. That's to, it. To, to, tomorrow, if somebody hits a 500 foot home run, where's the first place you see it at? Is Twitter it Twitter now? Is it 10 o'clock on ESPN? Yeah. Or is it on your phone yeah, or yeah. the computer? That was what you had said. Or it, via text. You so, said Twitter has changed things now. Social so, media has changed oh, it. Oh, so it wasn't ESPN. I had the question wrong. So yeah, so like Twitter, that is that is where my go-to for any sports highlight related stuff. So if I'm going to ESPN, I want to hear Shannon and Skip go you back You want to hear them something. talk about, yeah. Oh, so, so that's like the that's, thing. Yeah. So that, that to me, I feel like people's criticisms oh, of ESPN, I feel like people's, I'm not going to say people's criticism of media is... I mean, I, but I just look at it like a performance. <laughs> like you're an insider. You're an insider. Do you consider yourself an insider? Or yeah, an outsider? I just look at it. I don't. I I don't consider myself to be an insider because I would say 95 percent of the stuff. You don't consider yourself part of the audience. Like when you hear that, when you hear me bitch and moan about six ten, you you think about like them. You don't think about us. Like you you are somewhat of an insider when it comes to sports media. You don't consider yourself part of the crowd. I don't think. No, that's not what I meant it as. Like I don't. I don't think that it's like the show. I don't really know any more about it than the average person. I just can communicate it differently or better than a lot of other people. Uh-huh. But you and I know the same about the upcoming Chiefs team. I don't know anything more than what you know. 
Okay. I spend more time reading about it. Yeah. Absolutely. I maybe have more things memorized than yeah. you do. Yeah. Like I can tell you exactly how many yards McCall Hardman had last year. You probably couldn't. Your immediate your ability to immediately recall facts and understand like what seven touchdowns actually means and all that kind of stuff. Like that's like a thing. Yeah. So, so like so that but I don't I guess it goes to the point of earlier is I don't I really don't I just think about the show in I just I don't ever try to go into it trying to change anybody else's opinion ever. The show I look at it as a, is a series of this. I think this, this is why I think this. Uh-huh. And I just try to keep it at that. You can think whatever you want to think. I can't have no control over that. Or if you think something like the seven touchdowns, I will then try to present you I don't agree, yeah. but this is why I disagree. You said seven touchdowns. Do you know what seven touch? These are the receivers that did know. it. Is Josh Gordon yeah. in this category? I clearly don't then know. you were then faced with the information. Yeah, exactly. You can then, exactly. damn, you're right. Or yeah. you then present a counter argument. Yeah. Hey, well, he had eight touchdowns in this season. And you know what I mean? He did so, all of this. So I thought this was actually really interesting. I saw this recently that like football is the perfect mix of objective numbers, but still enough gray area to where me and you can go back and forth and be like, what are we doing here? Juju is way better. Like, but like baseball has failed in that it has gone too far empirically, like too much into the numbers and data. And there's not much gray area for debate or anything like that. So there's not much of a thing that you can kind of, maybe you can bitch and moan about the team, but there's no like, there's no know, trout, is, trout is trout. And there's no way you can argue anybody else is not trout or something like yeah, that. So, like, I don't, so that's actually really interesting that like, that you you enjoy kind of like the banter debater like maybe the fact because that conflict makes football do. conflict makes pr- football kind of really it interesting. makes sports people I it's kind of like conflict is a well you're thing. you're different in this yeah people say they want lyrical music there is so many lyrical rappers out there right now you don't ever have to listen to mumble rap if you don't want to you so, don't so you're so like, I'm saying is when so when people say oh we just want sports and all that kind of stuff I can give you a bunch of last year am I you follow the Chiefs. Last year, the number one story for a week was two fans fighting in the stands. <laughs> I'm serious. But I know, I know. But it's, that, it was the number one story. <laughs> Not story, anything though. about the game. That was a great story, though. It was fans fighting in the stands. No, it, that's not what the story was. You're selling it short. So you're selling it short. That's not what the story was. The story, the story had layers. And it was, it was a Most big, stories have layers. At the core of it, no. it was one fan fights another fan. That's not what the story was. We talk was. about the quarterback's <laughs> brother one, on TikTok. It's one of the greatest stories to no, come out of Arrowhead no Stadium. One, no one wants... No one <laughs> and limping people. in a gurney okay. outside of a hospital. Like you're you're selling that story short. But your larger point about how like we claim we want these things, it's kind of like it's kind of you know what I I don't know. This is an urban myth. I don't know if this is actually true or not. But I, we we say that we want content that's not as divisive. Why is it that we have this this that's so polarizing or something like that? But somebody said that there was a lifeguard show where people got saved that started at the same time as cops. But the lifeguard show. Is no longer around anymore. But no what's one watches on is the news cops. to see good news. So like, so like, we say we want these things, but what we vote with our remotes, we vote with our clicks. So you're, you're so you're saying like, there's a discrepancy between these yes. like aspirations of what we want versus like what like pure sports is actually really kind of maybe even boring. But like it's it's but at the same time, so much of the peripheral stuff annoys me. Like I hate this fashion walk shit in the NBA. Like who the fuck cares what Russell Westbrook's fucking wearing? Show me the talk about the fucking talk about his fucking numbers of the fact that he can't fucking. Uh, I just want to point out. Hit that a shot anymore. I'm just going to point out Christ. that it's just so annoying. You know one thing about the NBA: 
you know, but you know Russell Westbrook's personality. Baseball doesn't work because you don't know anybody's personality. Which like, is which is fascinating. Which baseball, if yeah. you if you don't care about any of the extra stuff, you just want to watch the sport. Major League Baseball is that right? That now. is what it is. The NFL. There's no you get, lines. You get sex, yeah. race. Yeah. Relationships. It touches on everything. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get the football. The NBA is the same way. Yeah. So they, everybody, they yeah, it's the same. But you would you would think the recognizability of like stars in the baseball would be way higher because they don't wear helmets. But I couldn't even tell you what one player on the Royals looks like. But I know what almost every Chief player looks like, and they wear helmets all the time. I mean, from a that's crazy sport. to me. So like the, the storytelling, the storytelling behind NFL films. Steve Sable, like my my actual door into the NFL was NFL films. I wanted to work for NFL Films before I wanted to do anything else. I think before motion, gra- maybe after motion graphics. But like the storytelling in the NFL is like is something that was a conscious thing. Steve Sable and his dad uh, Ed Sable maybe mm-hmm. uh, helmeted that, but like that's like huge. Autumn Thunder, we know the soundtracks. Dun, 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 dun. So like the lack of storytelling in baseball, you're saying whether like it's you know historical or like. The lack of embellishing, like whether or not, like every, this, this fantasy football league between like every every story like, needs heroes and villains. There's no heroes or villains in baseball. Are there villains in? Is Tom Brady? I don't know if there's villains in football. Baker Mayfield to some people is a villain. Tebow to some people is a hero and villain. Like there's no one on the other side that gets emotional. There's yeah. people in the NFL yeah. you do not like. I, I you're absolutely a lot right. of people that you like, but I'm saying like you don't. I know you, you like sports, hate Tom Brady. You don't hate him, but I'm no, saying it's like, no, no, no. I'm saying I don't it's like sports, hate him. I hate the man, Tom okay. Brady. I'm Tom saying is, Brady is a terrible thing. You're, you're neutral on every baseball player. You're not like that with the NFL. Yeah. They have heroes and villains. And you hate a, teams. You you, think, and do you think that's a, I think, I wonder if that's a conscious thing that's like, that's like, you know, the I NFL if understands television. I wonder if that's a Rich Eisen thing. Like, I wonder if that's like not just like a consequence of just like, you know, uh, like a whatever you want to call it, like a just a emergent you know how thing? it happens because we talk about all the thing. other things. That's how it happens. Uh, so it's so it's not like a distraction. It's actually what makes the NFL so popular. So that's your yes. point. So that's your point. Yes. Say the word. You're acting like you just labor the labor. No, I'm not point. saying that. I'm saying it is. Yes. But that shouldn't be surprising that's really to anyone. Interesting. So like the stick to like the the like let's do 100 sports doesn't actually understand that like this makes the sports ten thousand times better. And I would say, wow, that's actually really. That, and that's I mean, just based on the numbers, there aren't many people that do it that way. Like, if 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 there was a large group of people, like, if there was a large enough people that wanted to hear sporting content, I would do more sporting content. Uh, the numbers would suggest it's not a. I'm not saying there aren't people that want it at all. Yeah. What I'm saying is the people that want to hear you get in the car at five o'clock and break down this sporting game is not a large enough audience of people. There is not a large enough audience of people that want hardcore sports number data analytics. Don't there's not that hard number of people. Okay. I'm not saying you want Skip Bayless over the top every day. I can't give LeBron any credit. I can see how that can turn people off too. Yeah. Yeah. It's because that's that's a little bit of a I mean, I, I guess I'm not really 100 percent sure what annoys me about that person kind of reaching for the storyline when it's when it's not there, maybe, or I don't know. I gotta think about that. This is what I call hot I call hot takes. I call hot takes delivering an opinion that you don't believe that also can be supported in fact. Oh, hot takes is derogatory. Like, that's like, someone, I thought hot takes was like a... I no, because like, so today if you said Brady's the best quarterback in the NFL, I would not consider that to be a hot take. Okay, so, okay, say, say what you said about the hot take again. Maybe I, I would, I would define hot take uh-huh. by sharing an opinion that either A, you don't believe or can't be supported by fact. 
Like tomorrow, if I, I was like, that's the term hot take. We have to come up with a different word. Maybe. That's what I would call. I, but I think people we call everything a hot take now. What's another word for that? Like, there, there's got to be some sort of slander that they that they say. Is that a, is that something that you said? Like, like that's just my definition for hot take. Interesting. Okay, so like, but the, I think we use hot take for everything though. Like, just, I get call hot takes all the time. I'm like, this is just an opinion. You're just trying to get the. You're just trying to. Oh, okay. Like, this so is an opinion. Trying to, you're just trying to get like uh, get the text line rod over something. Because like, like, I think because like, we talked about this on the show. Let's say a year ago, I had. Let's say a year ago, I had told you. Cincinnati's going to the Super Bowl. You would have yelled yeah. and cursed at me yeah. for an hour. Yeah. I would have been right. It's not like at the end you'd have been like, oh, it would have just been an all damn you knew. But what's what's your what's your point on that? I'm just saying is I think a lot of times now, if anyone gives an opinion that's not the consensus, it gets labeled as a hot take. Where how I would define hot take is it's different than other people would define. My it. thing, my thing is that I hear a lot is that for some reason people think that the when when a when a interesting take is counterintuitive, that's fun. But a, but being counterintuitive doesn't make your your take interesting. I just don't like I just don't like forcing the against the grain thing because sometimes honestly, the interesting thing is like oh the consensus is actually right about this. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that's that that makes the counterintuitive more valuable. It's not like oh this person's always trying to go against the grain, which is fucking annoying. Like you're just that's you you've just taken the wrong lesson from the from the wins you had in the past or something like that. So like that my thing so that's that's something that I've noticed in that like okay this person is clear like it's it's like it's almost like but sometimes it's I think like we, yeah I'm different type of thing and I, I think hate we, that I think we I think does do you understand what and I maybe mean? maybe just as being in the profession this happens to me but it's just kind of I could give let's say I could give I could pick the Chiefs to win nine straight games the one I picked them to lose you always pick against them I picked them to win the last nine weeks <laughs> I always say this about NFL fans I always say this you will have the Chiefs. Like, you'll look at the schedule and have them going 12 and 5, right? 12 and 6, whatever. You will never pick against them during the season. You will never go into a game thinking this is a game they're going to lose. So it's people go undefeated. I pick losses during the season. I pick losses, and it's like I'm the negative one. It makes you feel like a mercenary. It's like you, like you know, there are people on the on the station who have no problem feeling like doing the rose colored glasses type thing, and just like being the team rah rah guy. But like you know, if you're the fact that you're even able to entertain the idea that the Chiefs will lose is just like what are we doing here? Because the they can this lose. Is, what are we? Like, I know they can. Because they like, can lose. I know they can. But it just because they can lose. It just feels like it just feels like. Uh, but that's I hate when people do that, man. Like <laughs> oh, I got them going eleven and six. I bet you won't ever pick them a loser in the course of the season. You will not pick. There will not be one game that you say this is the. Even if you think in the beginning of the season, you might think they're going to lose week two. You see them play week one. They win seven to three yeah, against Arizona. I know, I know. You know what I mean? I know. I know. At Tampa's a win. How did it become a win? <laughs> it's LA. It's LA. I think they're playing the Chargers or something. Like yeah, that no, they, got, so, yeah, they got the Chargers. This, so, like, that's, yeah, no, it's I, you're 100 percent right. Week to week, it's different. But like, so you do. It's interesting. You think of. I mean, we're getting close to the end, but you kind of. Does it? Do you get the sense that that adversarial relationship with the audience comes up naturally, kind of like it's you against them? Like, because I, you know, I, you just can't win against the masses. If you try to think of it as wins and losses, you will never survive. Like, I kind of think about like people who are at the top of their domain or career, and regardless, they get roasted. Like, it's just not even like you want to talk about Russell Wilson and Kevin Durant. Like, there's no such thing as winning against the masses. So, like, you want to talk about like. You know, I, I we agreed nine weeks in a row, and all of a sudden week ten I did this. Like, what the hell are you guys complaining about? Like that kind of relationship with the audience probably isn't productive or healthy. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, I kind mean, like, I guess I'll give you eventually this. Eventually, they're I'll give you this story. Come after you. Um, that I think goes to show you. There's some jokes I can make to you that other people couldn't make to you because we know each other. Uh-huh. So, wait, wait, wait. The job was open for Danny in Chicago to be Danny's co-host. His um, past co-host that got fired, so it was open. So I got a chance to audition. 
I didn't really think I had a chance. I wasn't from Chicago. Um, but I was, I was excited to host with Danny again. I knew about it for three weeks, got it approved. Studied the Bears crazy, where I could be like, I know enough about the Bears. At one o'clock, the White Sox hired Tony LaRusso. At one o'clock. Mind you, going at two. So I'm that's I'm, huge news, right? Yeah. I mean, I was I wasn't nervous, but like you've been planning to do one thing and then right when it's time, you know what I mean? It switched up, right? So I go on there and I have the take. Tony Roos is a really good manager. This is not a big deal. This is actually a good thing. Not the right message to give that day. Oh. I'm getting cooked. In like a text line. like it, it honestly discouraged me. Um, so like this is like the, the the different the gap between like a maybe a city size maybe yeah. like this is like a level. Well, not of even like that. I think it's just the, so like to the to the to what you were saying is. I I hope that I've built up enough credibility at this point. I believe people know that my takes come from an honest place, uh-huh. and I'm going to stand on it one way or the other. I picked the Chargers during the season last year. I get made fun of a lot for it, but after the Chiefs lost to the Titans. It's not like everybody was like, yeah, this is going to work out for the Chiefs, right? That was not the consensus stance. But I get it. You can change your opinion. I'm on the, like, I get that, right? Um, but I, I think, you know, back to the thing, I, I hope that that's what people take away is I don't, I don't ever go on there and give an opinion. Like, serious. Like, we're really talking. We might have a story, might joke around or whatever, but if we're talking sports, I don't ever give an opinion that I don't believe. Like, I don't have the anti-MVS take because I'm like, all right, well, let me pick one of these three, right? Yeah. Like, I, that's not, you know, yeah. that's not how I think about it. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I think that, I think that's what has given the show success. And I think, I think it has a credibility. So sometimes when my opinion is, like, I didn't like the MVS trade. So Chiefs trade Tyreek Hill, their first big move. I think people want you to be like, oh, hey. And I'm like, I, I don't like this. This is why. What like that was a very popular stance. Oh, you're being negative. Why are you hating? And I'm like, this is why I can't. I don't feel this way. Okay. You know, but I was so like, that's kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, you hate on their moves, and I'm like, I like the last four moves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I like the Justin Reed. I like but, all but these you, other even moves. even now you're falling into a little bit of what I was what I was asking necessarily about like kind of like even that them dragging you into that kind of like relationship with them to where I mean, I just like, but I like. I, I enjoy the discourse of it. Like I enjoy that's good. Legitimately talking about sports. Like I don't, you notice, like, I don't, I'm not there to call you an idiot or stupid or like, I don't got to belittle you or like, yeah, let's talk, let's have a sports opinion and go back and forth about it. Yeah. And I, I guess what I like, if you know, I don't really talk sports as much on Twitter anymore. Number one, like, I don't get paid to do that. Why am I, why am I giving Twitter my free sports opinions? Yeah, like yeah, I get paid yeah. to give these opinions to but other I, people. Why I, would I give it to Twitter for free? I didn't notice that, but I, um, that is, that is interesting. And then just, I just feel like Twitter. We're like everything, like to me, Instagram's purpose is to portray a life that not a lot of people have. Right. Yep. Um, like I, so I went to ocean prime to go eat a couple months ago. And I started seeing, I'm like, bro, all of y'all can't afford this, dog. Like, maybe I'm like, I'm not hating on nobody's finances. I don't know. But I'm like, bro, it's got to be something different. Like, the amount I spent on my meal, yeah, people are not 
That's not a regular place to go eat. Why would you say that? Oh, you're saying go ahead. But I'm seeing a lot of people post these. So I think like oh, Instagram's okay. thing to me is to like show a life that you really ain't like got it like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay. Um, I just think Twitter, for whatever reason, man, like people don't go on Twitter to have conversations with people. People go in there to argue with people that they don't know. That it's like, that's weird to me. Like, I don't understand it. Like, there's like real things to talk about, but you ain't changing nobody's opinion on abortion on Twitter, dog. Like, yeah. you're just not. So, like, I, I'm on here to argue with you about yeah. these super serious issues. I'm just not into that, dog. Like, I'm on there to talk sports. I'm on there to read about pop culture. This- I'm on there to laugh. I'm on there to share thoughts and ideas. Like, that's the only reason I'm on there for that. But the thing is, like, it's... Okay, so... Okay. One thing that I heard even today on a critique on Twitter on how they would fix Twitter is to add reputation on the Twitter. Like, you have to validate your identity to be able to get on Twitter or something like that. And I don't know about, like, the actual ability to... I don't know the technology behind that or what how possible that is. But... It sounds like the incentives work on you in that, like, whatever you do on Twitter, the reputation follows you because you're somewhat of a public person. So, it, like, it behooves you to kind of, like, operate in a constructive way and not necessarily in a destructive way all the time. But give a man a mask. All these people who face-to-face would be way different. On Twitter, they feel like they can just, you know, say whatever they want. And it's just completely different. So, like, that's actually really interesting the difference between you and maybe me, just, like, somebody that nobody gives a fuck about. I don't even have my face on my fucking profile. <laughs> I'm on there. I'm on there just, like, you know, just saying whatever the fuck I want. But you necessarily, like... That should have followed you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, um, that's a big reason why I don't ever post pictures of my daughter on there. Um, stuff like that. I mean, just, I got a couple tweets about it in a way that just like, oh, no, I'm just going to act out of character. Like, I just don't, I don't want to keep putting myself in that situation. Oh, um, So no I just, shit. yeah, and I think, man, I just, I heard Bill Simmons say this. Twitter to me stops a lot of young people's creativity. Um I think I don't care how tough you are. Everybody wants to be liked. Yes. You know, everybody wants people to applaud them, pat them on the back, whatever. Like, yes. you know, that's what people want. Um, I just as I got older and I've done this more, I think, you know, some of it, you just get much more confident with yourself. Um, like I always ask athletes this, you know, when did it click moment? Uh-huh. I just realized when it clicked for me. Yeah. And I felt. I felt like I was one of the best local sports talk hosts in the country. Let's go. Um, Let's go. I just, I, I just started to feel that way. Let's go. And I just got really comfortable with the, like I was saying, like, this is what I think. This is what, this is why yes. I think this. Yes. And I'm not about to argue with you about my opinion. Like, I don't have any interest in doing that. Like, you're allowed to have your opinion. And that's perfectly fine. Like, yeah. I respect it, but yeah. Yeah. I'm not here to argue with you about it. Okay. And man, once I got to that point in life, it just, it made Twitter better. It made, it made work better. Honestly, like it takes a lot to bother me now or kind of get me out of character. I just know how to turn it off more. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody told me when I first started that the more you live, the better you'll be at this job. Because mm-hmm. when you first get into it, man, you think you got to watch every game. You got to know every mm-hmm. stat. You got to do all of that stuff. And I'm not saying that I don't watch sports a lot, obviously, but I don't I don't feel like that anymore. Um, I think what you said is really important right there. And it's it's not it's domain independent. I know it applies to the stuff that I do, 
But like, I want people to really understand what you just said. The more you live, the better you said. The better you'll be at this. Yeah, the like, better. Yeah. It's 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 kind of like because we can you you know you could really narrow your your perspective on the world and kind of like not have a lot of outside experience to bring the bear to like new problems all the time. And and that's something that that's how you get like the film student bullshit that I like like was gonna get wrapped up in when I was in college and all that kind of stuff. You're so always watching movies, always trying to figure out how these storytellers are doing. And the only movies you can make are about making movies. Like what the fuck? You can't make movies about love. You can't make movies about like what it's like to kind of you know have your heart broken and all that kind of stuff. So like it's it's uh, what you just said is like understanding that maybe you don't necessarily have to be a sports almanac necessarily to kind of and just that's interesting. I just started to be happier. Um, I started to just feel, I feel very at peace is maybe the best way to put it in a work sense. I just feel, feel very in control. Um, I think some of it too is, man, I just, I figured out my sound. I figure out what works for me. Um, and I'm happy with that. Um, and that's it. I, I just figured out, I figured out what worked for me. And I mean, I'm still, I'm still really concerned with getting better. Um, one really thing I like working with Sirius is they do like workshops. So once a month you're required to go to this thing and like, they'll give you like pointers. You'll like listen to audio and stuff that you did. And it's a big reason why I took it honestly nice. um, was just, you know, the feedback of like, how do you keep getting better? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, 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 yeah. I hopefully still got a long way to go in this. I'm only 33. So I want to do this for a while. I mean, maybe not at the exact same place, but yeah, I want to do it for a while. So, like, how do I keep getting better? And that's good. Um, I guess we could just get into the doc. It's whatever you want to talk about. I don't have any notes, so I'm just talking off life experience. So it's a, you know we've already like there's plenty of material out there about how and why the doc came about it came it's a product of quarantine a lot of creative stuff actually and 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 honestly like just life stuff in general for a lot of people are a product of quarantine and you you apparently just had a lot of time to just watch a lot of documentaries and and i watched a lot of 30 for 30s and this is this is like a but but the interesting thing about media and how like you think about sports talk versus content that's made in documentaries actually really interesting like what what did you think about the difference there about something being topical versus like evergreen or something um I mean, I would say that I got this part from, uh, I watched the morning show. Uh, so it's on Apple TV. Um, it's basically about Matt Lauer, honestly. Uh, but, um, so Steve Carell, he plays the Matt Lauer character. So it's just gender relations in the workplace. Basically he'd be yeah. taking advantage of them young girls. Yeah, but, um, wild. he told this story, he was talking to somebody that he was like, you know, no one goes back and watches our old segments, you know, like no one goes back to watch fall fashions of 2019, you know, mm. like everything we create. And I started really thinking about that. And, um, you know, I wanted something to kind of be like a I was here kind of piece. And I think we did it in a way that, that specifically explain that. What does that mean? I was here kind of piece. What do you I mean? You know, I mean, at some point, you know. A legacy project. Yeah, your run ends, you know, whatever. Like, you take another job, you get fired. Whatever happens, you know, life happens. And just the, um, you know, hey, Carrington did this. Um, I It was funny. So this is a side part, but that kind of goes with what we're talking about. But um, I met with this sports radio consultant guy one day, and he was talking about why people choose to get into my profession. So... You want to like meet the athletes, right? Mm. 
Um, you know, like you don't want to have to quote, go get a real job or whatever. You know, there's like a lot of different oh, wow. things. Um, and I, I just, I really thought about it and I just was like, I just like making things, you know, like I remember hearing this podcast and it's funny enough, they're talking about Jay Electronica and <laughs> your, your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. I like Jay Electronica and they were talking about how it's impossible to put Jay Electronica on certain lists because part of being an artist is the at some point you have to give your art to the masses to consume it. Right. Like that's that's part of it, you know, um, but that part I. I, I really enjoy it. Um, and it gives me all the emotion that it's supposed to. Like, I, I still get nervous. You know, like when we first put the first trailer out, it's like a sense of nervousness to it. You know what I mean? People might watch it and be like, yo, this looks whack. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but like that part is exciting. You know, like putting the trailer out there for the first time was a really, you know, like a really big deal to me. You know, like we had spent this time working on it and, you know, like now going back on it, you know, like you and I probably probably feel the same way. That first trailer's whack. You know what I mean? Like we probably Man. we probably feel that way, you know. And it but, was up way too long. I saw it on your YouTube channel not too long ago. I was like, what do we do? This yeah, thing's no, gotta come down. Yeah, but then like after that, you know what I mean? I felt like I felt like, you know, it's because more in line with what we thought. But I think it was like a good, you know, like that that's why I think at some point, like you you've told me this before, and I like try to think about it, like you can be in the planning stage forever, you know. Um, like kind of like with J-Electronic, you can always be tinkering with your album or Kanye does that. Like you can always be, oh, this doesn't sound right. Like at some point, like you just got to release it. You know what I mean? Um, you just got to release it. Like I know you hate Drake, but I don't really like this Drake project either. But I, I, I at least, I at least appreciate the, everybody says I make the same album. I'm going to make the album that I really want to make. And if you like it, cool. If you don't like it, then whatever. Like I, I, I understand that. Yeah. I think it's a miss. Yeah. It's way far off from the kind of music that I want from Drake, but I at least appreciate that. So don't let me get too far off track. We'll come so no, back to it. Like, so like, so for the doc with me oh, is I just, talk about that. Go ahead. I, I, I enjoy creating content. I want to keep creating more of it. And I felt this is going to sound bad, but, I felt like I reached the ceiling of what I could at work. Huh. I mean, I'm not going to go to another time slot. Um, I mean, in, I, you know, in this context, maybe. You feel yeah, like I mean, and like, I see. you know, the ratings could always be better, but the ratings a lot of times are dependent on what the sports teams are doing. Like, you're not going to have the best show in the city during baseball season if the baseball team ain't good. Like, I don't care what show uh, you were doing. You're not winning, you, yeah, you know? So yeah. some of that stuff you can't control. Um, I, a friend of mine was talking... And it, you could see the energy. It's not just about the words that are coming out their mouth, but you could just see the energy, the way that they talk about the fact that they missed Brazilian jiu-jitsu and all the stuff that they can't do anymore because their body just failed them. So they're just working at like a job that they enjoy and everything. But he was talking about maybe like starting up a pizza shop or something that he wanted to do because he felt like he'd make the best pizza in the city. And I was like, oh, I think I know what you want. Same thing that I've been trying to look for. You just want a new mountain. Like you just like, I think we really get a lot of joy from climbing a mountain. I'm not sure if it's as fun being at the summit. I'm not sure if the mountain's too big. We get a lot of enjoyment out of it. We want to feel like it's climbable, but you wanted like a new, you wanted a new domain where all of a sudden like the possibilities are either a question mark. You don't know what the ceiling is. So like you feel like you've gotten close to whatever the ceiling is in the context that you're in in this time slot, but the documentaries, who knows where that can go. So like, this is like a new medium that you could learn. And it's just like something that's all of a sudden, all these muscles that haven't been like activated since you started like, like a new domain or something like that. Does that does that track with you? Yeah. A new mountain? Does that I make sense? I would say that I. I mean, I, I definitely I get what you're saying. Um, I don't really think about it like that. Like in terms okay. of work, I still feel 
as passionate about it as ever. Um, I still wake up really motivated to do it. I still like feel the challenge from it still um, excites me. Like I, I haven't lost that part of it. And I always told myself when I lost that part of it is when I would just stop doing it. Mm. Um, You know, I kind of gauge it by, I mean, it's easy to not get up for a show in July when nothing is happening. Right. Like my job's like everybody else's job. Like I have days where I'm like, bro, I really don't want to do this, you know? Um, but you know, like certain things will happen, man, that just like, I still have the same excitement when I was 22, 23, man, like that kid part comes out, you know, like Orlando Brown gets traded to the chiefs. And it's just like, I got the same energy that I, you know, like I could do the show for 10 hours. You know what I mean? Like commercial free. I can just do, you know, I can just do it nonstop. Um, man, I remember this was, this was probably two years ago. No, it was after um, the Bucks won the championship. So last year. Okay. Well, and I've actually tried to do this more. So I used to be like super structured and the show would just like, I would know where every part of the show was going. And I started kind of just like, I'll just feel it out. So I started really writing things out and really like knowing what I wanted to say, but not having it mapped out, not having the segments and just going off the sheet of paper and just what do I think should go here at three and doing it on the fly, you know, and just seeing how it felt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes, you know, the, the, the two to six part is easy. Um, that's the part that I will never get tired of the two to six part. Oh, it's the, it's the 11 to two, 10 to two part. That's the tiring part. That's the part that's the work, you know? Wow. Like I imagine for players playing in the game is the fun part. It's all the other stuff yeah. that makes not playing sports fun. Rehab and then practice. the talking on the radio, I I enjoy doing that's as what, much as ever. That's what they say. They don't pay me for the games; they pay me to practice. They pay for all those like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, they pay for all those stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they pay for all those stuff, um, which, is, which is super interesting. And uh, it and it comes through. Like I know, I know the way that I legitimately talk about you outside, like like is is the voice of Kansas City. Like I consider you the voice of Kansas City sports. Like you are the definitive. Like. You know, I'm not really listening to the morning or anything like that. And I, you know, you have narrated and been a part of like, we're talking like if there was ever a decade you wanted to be a part of Sports Talk Radio, <laughs> it was this past decade. Am I, am I wrong? Could you yeah. imagine if you were a part of like the decade before or whatever comes after that? Like, it's just shit. <laughs> like, just absolute shit. None but heartbreak and just nothing ever happening on the other sport. And not only that, you don't have basketball. So like, um, and on top of that, like, who knows what's coming down the road? Like, if all of a sudden you got that that time period filled up with NBA and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's probably a shit basketball team. I, that's how I consider you. I consider you the voice of Kansas City well, Sports. Thank you, man. Like, yeah, um, no, for sure. Somebody told me this a while ago. Um, they were like, I like your show because it's informative and it's entertaining and it's just solid. But I was like, that's all I ever want the show to be, you know? Like, you know, there, there's some days I leave and I'm like, God, that show was really good, you know? Good. But most of the days I'm like, today's show is good. Good. You know? I'm like, I feel, you know, I don't leave a lot of times feeling the show is, was bad. Maybe it is. People are like, yo, that wasn't good. But I don't leave a lot feeling that the show was bad. Which is a healthy place to be. Yeah, I don't leave that thinking. I don't leave thinking that. But, you know, like you always, you know, like I watch our documentary and you might like, I, you know, at this point I've seen it a bunch. You've seen it a bunch. You know, I mm-hmm. watched it with people that were like, oh, what? you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I go back and I'm like. And we should have shot this different, man. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. 
we should have shot this different or, you know what I mean? Like there actually aren't that many that I think that way. You should have, now looking back, we should have shot Javon Crudup in a different place. Oh, he's like such why? a big, he's like such a big person. Oh, okay. Like I wish it had just been yeah, shot, yeah. you know, like, cause I, I think Jerron's looks really, you know, like Jerron looks really good. Kareem looks really good. Yeah. I, we um, just, I actually disagree. Oh, for real? Yeah. I think, I think Jerron and Kareem's are, yeah, no, that absolutely should have been shot completely differently. Like I think, and it's like, there's a lot of mistakes on a lot of those shots, but like we were, if people knew what we were doing that stuff with, if they saw the equipment, like that, <laughs> yeah, no, they would be like, that's obscene. So yeah. like, I'm, I'm, Honestly, I'm, the biggest challenge. It's, it's We were working with almost nothing. Yeah, the so biggest like, challenge I tell people is just, you know, there's so many people in it that like, just space to put everybody. I actually think it shot pretty well. Um, physical space, not space. Yeah, in the physical space, yeah. So like, I think I think it shot pretty well. I mean, there's some, like I said, like if we could go back, I would reshoot. I'd, I'd probably reshoot like five of them. Not shit is not what you were saying. Like, it's not shit. So, like, that's good. I guess we avoided shit. Even in some of them, we still got shit because I kind of, like, could do it, could have done a little bit better. Like, Scanlon? Jesus. Yeah, I actually think Scanlon shot pretty well. I fucked that up. <laughs> but, uh, um, but more than anything, I get the sense, I, I'm going to get away from that. Like, because you're talking about how you kind of critique the doc, but you don't really critique the show. But, like, I think I've gotten to a place kind of like you are with the show with documentaries. I can kind of go in with some ambiguity and not necessarily have everything lined up because I kind of know that you kind of find it. It's not something that you have lined up in the beginning so much anymore. Like it's to the degree that you can do that. It helps. But uh, but as far as like as as you know, as far as looking, looking back, like it's just I'm at peace with it because. I think we put a nice bow on a decade that even they didn't really get the sense that they were like a part of something really big. They probably thought they were a part of something special because they loved their teams and their their brothers, like, you know, probably still friends and homies with a lot of the dudes that they're on the teams with. But I don't think they got the sense that they were a part of something bigger. And I think we really gave people that in a in a way that's like counter, like it's not normal. Like you, this level of quality of storytelling is not usually applied to this subject. So like that's the thing that kind of makes me happy. And I always wanted to do something for Kansas City. So like the fact that you gave me the opportunity to do that and you were persistent about it because I, I didn't necessarily see it in the first place. But like, I'm really appreciative. No, yeah. That. I mean, that is funny. I did tell you the vision. You didn't really see the vision. That's funny that you didn't see the vision. And I actually, I have to remind me about that afterwards because I got something to say about that. Yeah, no, you didn't see the vision. But um, <laughs> oh, I can't. yeah, I think the biggest thing that has kind of tripped me out about the doc and I just didn't notice it at that point. It was... I went to a lot of the screenings of it and um, there was this one clip that we put in there. It was like a throwaway clip that we just were one day, like something has to go here. Like you're not going to show like something has to go here. This guy getting a dunk. And in the movie theater, this guy brought his kid and she was like, daddy, daddy, that's you. Mm. That it was just like really cool that. I didn't notice this. I honestly didn't notice this until the first, very first screening we had. And this guy that went to the screening, he was like, my cousin had passed away. They were in it. They were in the crowd. You know what I mean? That I was just like, you know, I started thinking more and more about it. Like, we might have interviewed this number of people, but there's really thousands of people. Yeah. In the doc, you know what I mean? There's thousands of people in the documentary yeah. um, that just I didn't. You know it because you're showing sports highlights, but you don't know it, you know, until... Until that. Yeah. So that's probably the thing that I think about the most yeah. um, from doing it. And then just, you know, I, like I said, I went to a lot of screenings. So, you know, Jacob Street came to one of them, took a picture with him. 
this woman, she like taught with Bud Latham at Raytown South, talked to her about it. A lot of people that used to referee and stuff. Oh, what did they think? The referees? Yeah. I, like bet, you they were, I bet you they were super sentimental about it. I, that's actually interesting. Yeah. So like, you know, I just didn't know. Um, I'm not really happy with it. Um, Good. You know, it gave me a, you know, I want to, I, I, I think, I don't know if the documentary, like you mentioned, like New Mountain is something that, you know. Like, I don't have much of an interest in moving to L.A. to make movies, for example. I don't really have much uh, of an interest in, like, making a movie. Like, if you were like, yo, let's yeah. make a, a, you know, a drama. Like, I don't really yeah. have much of an interest in making one. Yeah. I just felt, and I guess I feel that way moving forward, is we watch stories all the time about Chicago or New York or, you know what I mean, all these places about these stories. Mm. I don't. No one ever tells our story. And... I didn't think that there was any other human being that was more equipped to tell this story than me. And I feel like I've said a lot of things on here that make me sound really arrogant. I really don't mean for it to Stop. sound that way. Cut that off right now. <laughs> I'm not putting that in there. I just finish like it. Your, finish your thought. Finish your thought. Way. But yeah, there was nobody else that could have told the story but you. Yeah, no, that's, that's how I felt. I just didn't feel like anyone else could. And I, I try to live, I try to live my life where I don't have yeah buts, I call them. Like, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you talk yourself out of it when you do that. Okay. And I try to eliminate that from my life that, you know, and I would have hated to see somebody else do it because I would have been like, we could have done it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, that's, that's a voice in my head that I, that I made a conscious decision and I don't always act on, I mean, I don't always put it into action, but I know a while ago, whether it was relationships, whether it was professional stuff, I was like, you know what? I'm going to let the world stop me. I'm done stopping myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to put this stuff into action. And if it, if, 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 you know, if it's a shit show, it's a shit show. And believe me, I have been a part of some fucking shit shows. I have some scars. I've done some dumb shit. But like, that's a, you know, but then all of a sudden you get to say it on Pembroke, which is like a, you know, a feel, it feels like a little bit of a, I mean, you know, there's so many things we could have done. Wish we could have gotten better bigger budget we wish we could have executed this better and all that kind of stuff but like for for what we had i mean i'm definitely proud of it Um, made a thing we made a little thing thing yeah no i'm really proud of it for you know what it was um yeah i mean it just makes me want to tell more stories um so i'm I'm excited about it i'm excited about the challenge um i'm excited about the process um yeah that's probably the best way to put it man i don't have a much better way to describe it it's just I really enjoyed it. Good. Um, Good. I wouldn't have picked another person to do it. I felt like, you know, timing was right. Um, I just, everything came together I was supposed to. Okay. And I I get the sense, you know, I could always be a better collaborator and everything like that. But as far as the end product, people enjoyed it. I'm glad you have a positive experience looking back. I think that's that's a bad thing. Like I, um, just in terms of our relationship and just, you know, I think. You need Shaq and Kobe, right? Uh-huh. The Lakers probably don't work if they have two people like Kobe's personality. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. You probably also don't work if you have two people like Shaq's personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, y'all not coming to practice on time, y'all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you kind of need that yin and the yang. Yeah. I think what really messed them up is it was obvious that, like, Kobe lost respect mm. for Shaq. You know? Hey, I'm doing all this work. You coming here lazy, out of shape, but you can still just get 30. You know what I mean? Like, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, so I think that, and like, we, don't, we don't have no issues like that. That's not how I mean it. But like, yeah. I think 
But you think you think the doc is better is. because we think very differently and we both operate very it's differently. A thousand percent true. Um, you know, and I think you need. I think that's really where creativity is at its absolute best. I think too, you know, back with music, I think people's music starts to get stale because they work under the same, you know, umbrella. You know, like I got the same producer. I do these. You know what I mean? Uh, um, so I think to work with someone that thinks so differently um, is what really challenged me and was and was good. You know, I felt like it came out good. how it was supposed to come out because of that. I just, man, I, three years ago, I never would have told you I would make a movie. I didn't want to do television, yeah. you know, three, four years ago. Like, I was like, man, I love doing radio. I don't want to write, you know, but you start doing TV and you're like, I'm kind of good at this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. For somebody who has zero training on doing television, yeah. uh, I was like, I, I don't think I'm that bad at this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. And I just, you know, with the, you know, I just, I watched so many movies that I just was like, it can't be that hard, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, and then, you know, I think you and I talked about this. We watched this documentary, and I told you to watch it. And I was like, I know our doc's going to be better than this. And I was like, if it's better than, if, like, if this is the floor, I feel really good. Because I was like, this is shot poorly. <laughs> it's not interesting. It could be, like, this is how much different it would be. You and remember was, I told you that? And it, I was like... Was it on some major streaming platform? It was on Tubi. Yeah. And it was on Tubi. Like, yeah, that and was, I was like, I was like, if this... I was like, if, I was like if, if anybody likes this, our doc definitely going to be better than this. Because I was like, we could have done this in our sleep. Yeah. I just felt really good about it. Yeah. Last thing I'll leave you with, and this kind of is... Um, goes with this, is I went, um, I went to Napa Valley not too long ago. Which... I, I don't get, but okay. Because <laughs> you don't strike me as a Napa Valley cat. It was like, a great time. Was a really <laughs> you time. enjoyed yourself. I figured you'd get dragged really, to something was, like that. That nah, was a really good time. Okay. I had a great time. All right, for sure. And uh, so I, I met this guy. And, oh, I got to tell you this story. You'll love this story. This is a funny story. So I was in Napa smoking cigars. I was sitting down. I looked to, the, I looked to my right. This guy's sitting there. I was like, has anybody told you you look just like Charles Woodson? He started no. laughing. He was like, no. Nah. And I was like, you are Charles Woodson. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, so no I talked talk to him for a little bit. He had the goatee and everything. Yeah, was Charles just like, yeah. That motherfucker, is he just smooth all the time? Nah, like, he was cool. He was real cool. Yeah, I mean, I didn't talk to him for that line, taking a picture of him. I shook yeah. his hand. I was like, hey, I was a big fan. I just watched the Tuck World documentary. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, that's, I was like, that's how I recognized. I was like, I had just seen it. Um, but yeah, back to the, so I met this guy in, uh, in uh, it was like just Sonoma, Napa, Sonoma, right next to each other. Um, and. So he had done, he'd done finance for 30 years on Wall Street, clearly got paid. And then woke up one day and was like, I want to make wine in Sonoma mm. and moved to Sonoma, literally moved to Sonoma to make wine. Yeah. And he told me, he was like, I don't care how much experience you have. Everybody's a wine expert. Yeah. You drink it and either you know you like it or you know you don't like it. You don't got to go to no school to know if you like it or don't like it. And I was like, damn, that I think that's like with anything, man, that we try to create, man. Like, I didn't know how to make a movie. I had I had no experience. I know what a good movie looked like. I know what a bad movie like looked like. And I just tried to focus on what was good. Mm-hmm. So, man, I think that with anything, man, like that's a big thing, too, man. It's just kind of to the point we're talking about with art is. All we can do is create it and give it to the masses, and we don't know how they're going to consume it. 
Like you can't do anything after that. You know, yeah. maybe our doc wins Sundance. Yeah. Maybe nobody likes it. Right. But like we did it. We felt good about it. You know, you put it into the hands of the people and then they'll ultimately tell you if it's good or bad. And that part, man, still excites me. You know, like yeah. this thing happens. People are looking to what I think about it. You might agree, disagree, but I hope you think it's going to be a well thought out, yeah. smart, entertaining opinion. That that goal of like feeling good about it is actually a healthy way to kind of think about it for sure. Because because failing, there's a couple of different types of failures. Failing on your terms is way easier to swallow than failing on maybe somebody else's terms or something like that. Maybe trying to chase a you know chase something that maybe necessarily didn't come from your own compass or something like that. But like feeling good about like because let's say we made the fucking hoops mixtape thing you wanted to do and it was nothing but dunks and all that kind of stuff and it was shit. I would I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I would never <laughs> want to talk to you again. But the fact that I was able to still smuggle in a lot of the shit that I thought was like really good and everything, if it didn't work, I'd be like, hey, you know, I fucked with this. It didn't work. It didn't work or whatever. So like that's a good way to kind of think about things moving forward and 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 having that be your North Star. Be like, all right, you know, that's that's good. That's yeah, good. I mean that goes to the collaboration part of it, you know, that I think I made this point about the Rams and it applies to the Chiefs and teams in general. There has to be some level of sacrifice in order to make a team work, right? Like, it's impossible for everybody to get 100% what they want. Mm -hmm. You got to be willing to take 93%. You got to be willing to take, you know what I mean? Like, in order to make it work, you know, that, you know, it was a really good lesson in collaboration that maybe you would do something that I wouldn't do, but we're on the same team here. We both want the same goal. We both have a vision. How do we fuse these two visions into something that we both feel really good about? You know what I mean? Maybe don't take that for granted. That's not like a given. I think I think I did work hard to kind of see maybe what you thought would be good. And I I, I tried my best to pitch what I thought could work. And we, we ended up on the same page. But like moving forward, it's not like you all of a sudden converge on something <laughs> like it. Like that's not always a given. I think it was, I think it was, it did take some work between us, but like you, you are you are right in that like. Maybe if we did like here, you're here, like we did necessarily like we did kind of have like a an end zone that we both agreed on. Cause I, I know you wanted it to be a little bit more about the decline of, of no, and, and certain you, things and, in the in the present and like And you of, and you were right, you know what I mean? Like that's what I mean. Like yeah. I had this vision, we talked about it, you yeah. were like, Your this vision does not work. And it, like it's not going to wrap up the best. Like the ending the ending was really you. Um the ending was like ninety-eight percent you, two percent me. Like the the final line of it. It, it would have ended way more somber if you had been 100% in control. <laughs> but yeah, like there's certain parts, you know, like, um, I mean, I, I think in the end, man, like, um, this is going to sound funny analogy, but Chris Rock tells a story about, you know, like one of the keys to marriage is like, stop competing, like stop keeping score. Like your success is my success and vice versa. Yeah. You know, like, I think in any kind of team, in any kind of collaboration, you just got to think of it as us. Like it's, yeah. I might've had the idea. I might've came to you, but it's our documentary. Like yeah. I, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. that means you get a voice too. You know, it, it can't just be my voice. Um, yeah. Which is, which thing. is like a mature way to think about it for sure. Absolutely. And I, I could, I could learn a lot from that. Absolutely. And, um, uh, and the day to day stuff on just the way I communicate, not necessarily when I'm communicating, all that kind of stuff could be a thousand percent better. But, um, but uh, for sure, and I don't. I wouldn't rule out any future collaborations or anything like that. But I don't think you got the fire no more. I, I, I don't know, think you have the documentary. It's, it's fire topic anymore. to topic. I've been presented with projects that I'm just like the, that one. You excited me, and the topic excited me. But like you know, 
murder doesn't necessarily <laughs> like excite me. And and like the the topic that was presented to me on another doc, I was just like, I just don't want to. You know what I'm saying? So like it's so I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out rule it out in the future. But like um, that part uh, doesn't. I don't want you to think that part excites me too. No, I, uh-huh. it definitely excites you. You no, you, it doesn't. You could probably if if civilization ended. And they needed one person to not to recreate from scratch every episode of of NCIS or whatever the fuck Law it is, and like Law, Law and Order and all that, whatever these murder shows is, where they're it. trying to investigate how this like whatever murder just happened, it would be you. So stop acting like you're not just enamored look, with I, the death. I'm not with death. I'm not enamored. With the, I'm not enamored with the death. I'm so not. Like, <laughs> I'm really not. Like honestly, in Law and Order, that's not that's not what I I. I guess what I enjoy in Law and Order, it really is like, it's like the who done it. Like it's the, all right, thing happens. Yeah. They start questioning somebody. Mm, I don't know if they did it. You know, it's like that you are kind of yeah. trying to yeah. solve it along. That I really like about it. Um, okay, but but like I like I said, like it's it's I wouldn't rule it out. The next doc is going to be a murder doc. That's why I said that. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it vague. But uh, I told some people potentially, about it. Potentially, Most people I tell her about it. Actually, pretty excited about yeah, someone doing that. Potentially, yeah. Potentially, uh, that that could be. You know, I leave the door open for both uh, both options for sure. Whether you I go for it or don't go for it, it's a really important story in Kansas City's history that I think should be told. And this is, I think, what excites me is I don't think I'm the best person to do it, but. It might not get done. If you yeah, guess. I think that's it. We're like the basketball one. I felt like I was the only person that could do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm the only person that could do this. Um, but you might be the only person that will do it. But yeah, I think at this point, someone should have done it. Yeah. That part of me is just like, well, damn, I'll just do it then. Like, yeah. this is a really important story that either people don't know or have forgotten. And I think it's important to tell that story. Pigs, Myron Piggy. Let me know when Myron. Let me know when. Let me know when that project ends up uh, potentially. <laughs> you just got the thousand mile stare. I mean, we can talk about that later. <laughs> but that's the one time first time on the dock. I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I don't want to talk about. That. All right, but uh, okay. So this is how we uh, usually end the show. We got like random questions or something. Uh, there's two questions that I asked. You could pick one of the two. Um, what? Um, can you name a book that you felt like was pivotal for you or just that you really enjoyed? Like you just, a book that you just recommend to the masses or me or in general. And then the other question is what is a piece of advice you would give to yourself 10 years ago? That's not commodities related. It can't be like buy Google or Bitcoin or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, but pick, you can either answer both those questions or just one of them. I don't know, man. I, this is going to sound bad. I felt, I felt like people had given me advice and I actually listened to it. Like I actually paid attention and took heed to it. So um, a story I'll tell you, I'll tell you these last couple of stories, get you out of here. Um, so when I was really hesitant to take the afternoon job, I talked to somebody who had been in media for a while and I told him why I was hesitant about it and what my hesitancies were. And he was like, you got in this for people to hear your opinions. If you never wanted anybody to ask you what you thought, you would just go work at Home Depot. And I just was like, damn, you're right. So I I just really, that was just advice that always stuck with me. And I just really kept it. Um, 
one of the last in-person conversations Nick and I had, like a, of a serious nature, um, was he told me the best thing you can ever do on radio is 100% be yourself. And the moment the audience doesn't think that's the case, they'll turn on you. And I always tried to keep that in mind. Which is hard. There's, there's so many, there's so, and maybe it gets easier after time, but there, there's so many, whether it's conscious or unconscious forces that are just like, you know, f- pushing you in one way or the other to kind of like maybe betray maybe what it is that you actually feel or, or you don't even understand necessarily what you, want, what you feel. But the authenticity is a characteristic of the people that we remember for sure. And the people that stick out, you, you know, when you hear it, right? Mm-hmm. It's whether it's, I don't know what it is, but you know, when you hear it. So like, I think it's, it's it's either not valued or it's not understood or it's hard. One of those. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so honestly, man, like I, there isn't really any piece of work advice that I would give myself. There's a lot of life lessons like outside of work. But I, you know, I just heard probably three or four quotes about work that just really stuck with me. And I just always tried to keep them in mind. Um, always tried to keep them in mind. And I, I felt like it worked over time. I mean, I felt like it worked. Good. Good. Um, but your one piece of advice was the, did I miss it? You said it was to, to, to remember what it is that you got it into, got into the, the thing that you're passionate about to remember that and necessarily like authenticity, just trying to make sure that you don't, you don't betray your own compass or something like that when you're trying to navigate a topic. Honestly, no, you know what? The advice that I would give myself 10 years ago was that Twitter is performative. (laughs) Um, I, 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 I agree and disagree about Twitter being a real place. I think Twitter is performative. I think the purpose of Twitter is to dunk on each other. That's what it is. It is dunk on this person Retweet, retweet, retweet. Ha ha ha. That's funny, right? That you know when, um, you know, you play into it more when you're younger, um, but like, I, or maybe your personality. But I don't have interest in going back and forth with nobody. I just don't. I don't have it. Like, I, it's just not a good use of my time. Not a good use of my energy. Not a good use of anything for me. Mm. I still love Twitter. Like I said, I. I just love the talking and sharing ideas and opinions. That's, you know, still really, like, I, I genuinely love doing it. But you learn a lot about the role something plays in your life or society when it's gone. And um, the few times that Twitter is out, your lack of access to what is actually happening in the moment is, is like, startling. So, like, the fo- Sundays have changed for me. Like, s- Sundays without Twitter is, like, a thing that just, I'm not sure if I ever want to experience for the rest of my life. Oh, I could definitely so, do that. without Twitter? The only, the only oh my I would say, honestly, so my Twitter got hacked last year. I didn't oh have Twitter. I had Twitter for, like, nine days. Uh-huh. It got, like, I, th- I didn't think I was going to get it back. Uh-huh. At this point, I've curated Twitter to give me everything I need to do my job at a high level. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I missed more than anything. Yeah. I missed you follow the right people that might get your mind going in a certain direction. Like Pete Sweeney might tweet something to say something that gets me like, oh, this gets me to think about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I missed that about yeah. Twitter. Yeah. I didn't miss any of the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying the other stuff isn't fun. I like going back and forth. It and is. Here's what I think about Drake's album. Or here's what I think about Top Gun or whatever. I enjoy that part about it, but I've curated the experience. Like, 
If you sat here long enough, I could put together a four hour radio show on 30 minutes by looking at Twitter. Like I could find the right ones. It could get my mind going like, ooh, boom. Yes. I could like write it out for but you. But you don't think it's a necessary component of like live sports for you? I think I think it's like become a necessary like it's like I need like I I need this for like I need red zone I need the game live on a separate TV I need fans I, I enjoy and I need it. Twitter I need so like I understand that you have you know I think you like the interaction part of it so like let's say that not even it, honestly I don't have to be interacting it's not the interacting I think I think the idea that I could watch football with you Nick Danny. Uh, some former players, like the idea that all of a sudden my living room is extended to the country. That, that like, that's, that's what I think. Super that's dope. What I it's think. not me interacting because I'm not necessarily like I'm never like actually commenting on like underneath other shit. And like I'm, you know, now I'm, I'm posting off tweets and stuff like that. So the interactive part is maybe I do that too much, and actually I don't necessarily like feel good about that in retrospect. But what I do love moment to moment is the fact that like Nick is on my couch, C dots on my couch. Danny's on my couch technically and that we're all watching the game together. Yeah, that's no, that, super that dope. Cool. Yeah, that part's that's cool. super dope. That part. No, I, I agree. That's definitely Twitter's incredible. Um, I, I think Twitter is at its best in those moments and when everybody's making fun of the same thing. <laughs> like tomorrow, if Kim Kardashian fell on a flight of stairs, Twitter would be hilarious. Twitter, like that shit is like honest to God. Like if, if Kim Kardashian like, was walking oh and fell God. straight down a flight of yeah. stairs where yeah. everybody is talking about the same thing, yeah. it would be hilarious. And it's like it's that kind of like I know I'm going to hell type stuff, but like it's just so funny, man. Like when when the when the internet focuses in on something, like it is the most it's really unrelenting force of destruction I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah, like whenever Will Smith, Jesus when that happened, Christ. and just the nonstop. Oh my god, it was crazy. So when that happened, Jesus, I was Christ. watching a movie because I was like, uh, I'm not that interested in Nobody's this. Nobody's fucking watching that. shit. I was watching a movie. Um, I get done watching the movie. Everybody in my group chat is talking about Will Smith. I'm thinking, oh, he wants something for King Richard, right? I get on Twitter, same thing. It's like, it's abnormal, right? But I'm like, what happened? So I go on the Twitter search. I type it in there. Will Smith slaps Chris Rock. I'm like, what? So I watch it and I'm like, this ain't real. That's what I thought at first. Yeah. Then I see the unedited, the, you know, the keep my wife's name out your mouth. I had to get the international footage. That I'm like, oh, this is real. Yeah. I'm like. This part is real. Yeah. Um, you don't do that, sit down, yell that, and then, like, I, and now I don't even get. It's the yelling part that made me realize that this is a, a completely offbeat thing. Like, this is not, yeah. this is real. Not the slapping part. Slapping part, I was still trying to watch gestures and facial, like, what's going on here? And then when he starts yelling, because the actual video of him slapping him is like, it's, no, it's, it's not enough to that you make you think that it's not real. No, not I'm, just saying, the I'm saying, like, the slap part when he slaps him, like, it still don't even look real. Like the video of it, it's like the way he yeah. slaps him. It's yeah. just like yeah. the, the video. Maybe it's just the angle. It just looks weird. Yeah, but, but when he goes back down and he's yelling at him, that's real. Where it's like you can. It's not like a live mic. It's like echo from the like. Yeah. So you know that this is something that was not planned because there's no live mic or anything like that. So the absence of quality audio, it's all like, what the fuck is yeah. this? No, it's weird. And then now anybody that says that it's fake now, I just think you're an idiot. Oh, like, I, this, like that's just so fucking ridiculous. There's a conspiracy theory see, about everything. But I, anyways, you should okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I can see how you could think it was fake. And Initially, yeah. like in the first 20 minutes. I don't know how you could think that after the real audio yeah. and then how everyone is responding after it happens. Either they have the most elaborate joke yeah. that has ever been told. It's just like, it's like me. It's like, I fall prey to this. Everybody loves feeling like they know something that nobody else knows. You know what I'm saying? 
Like it's the counterintuitive thing we were talking about. Like I fall prey to the same thing, but like I don't let it push me into like some really stupid. St- I try not to let it push me into some really stupid stuff. But I think that's the draw conspiracy theories. But anyways, I, I didn't know people were still saying that it's fake. I, I didn't know that. Things, but no, it's so fucking stupid. No. But uh, uh, okay. Um, but uh, Twitter, Twitter, like that's one of the great things about Twitter. Uh, the the live moment, public discussion. They call it the public square, all that kind of stuff. So like. You know, if there's so many bad things that we lament about it, but we're still on it, there's something great that it's doing that, like, that it's like either doing better than every, everything else, or has I don't know if there's an app that us. connects people better. It, Twitter is just like like Facebook just, doesn't feel connective at that point to me. Um, not not with the public. Facebook feels with, like more with your with your network. It I feel better connected with my network on Facebook, but with the public, I don't even feel like that Twitter. anymore. I don't feel like that anymore on Facebook. I feel like I get on Facebook now to obligation. I get out of it on there because. Yeah, because of your network. Because you want to stay connected with your network. Yeah, but That's I feel like Facebook's biggest thing now is when people's birthdays. Like if, it, which is yeah, what I just said. Yeah. Like to stay, to stay connected with your network. So like the, the connection I, to the I'm public. Not their, I'm not on there talking though. Like no. I don't go on Facebook to talk to people. No. I message people sometimes in the messenger, but yeah, that's not super. So often. like that's like you know, I've, I, but but that's that's like a that's that's but but yeah, like you like you said, I liked your advice about Twitter being performative in in that tracks with my experience of Twitter and I'm going to fall prey to it. Everybody falls prey to it. And there's some, there's some incentive there that just makes it, makes that the case. I think too, what really kind of changed it for me was there's this guy that trolls me on Twitter all the time. Still <laughs> does to this point. You don't block anybody. You got to say, you got to be real wild for me to block. I don't YouTube. You got to be real wild for me to block you. Um, and then I saw him out one day. He acted like he was bored. <laughs> I'm just like, I just, that's not, I don't do that. Like, that's weird to me. That's like very weird. Like, I would never act like that. I was in like, oh, I was just like, but we don't know each other though. It's one thing like me and you make fun of each other. Like we cool, but like, that's weirdo energy to me. I don't, that's, yeah, see, that's, I, that's, that's just weird to me. I'm saying Twitter, Twitter, give a, give a man a mask. Like this, like give a person a mask, whatever the fucking phrase is. Like, that's a thing. People. People get it, have an excuse to all of a sudden uh, act out parts of themselves that that they can't do it in public because the reputation necessarily doesn't follow you. Um, but um, all right, appreciate you, sir. We went for a minute. All right, I, I, did, I did two radio shows today. I know, like, <laughs> Jesus, my fault. I didn't. No, you're good. I'm like happy that. to do it, man. But yeah, this was fun as hell. I appreciate you. Um, in the future, there's some more things that I popped up in my head that I kind of like, kind of want to tackle, but like. My mind is kind of fucking spent. I don't know how you do this shit for fucking four hours. <laughs> By but, myself. Uh, you had somebody to talk to. Geez, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. But uh, all right. Yeah, we'll uh, be sure to get you on. Again. The music and the theme song Groovy was provided by MC Color. And the links to said work will be provided in the description below.